Hello everyone and welcome along to the podcast Sport and Life. Thank you for hitting on the button. Hopefully the audio is okay. I'm sat in my front garden on a beautiful, clear, blue sky day in the spring in the UK, which is kind of uh, one of the only positives at the moment is we just find ourselves in surreal situation on Thursday the 26th of March, third day of lockdown or relative lockdown in the UK not as extreme as some countries we are allowed to go out for our daily exercise but we are very much uh, on a go slow due to the coronavirus and its impact on society um, so it's a strange situation I've had a couple of doctors on my father Dr Mark Draper and Dr Ranoff Crook in the last couple of episodes of the podcast so I wanted to just kind of have a bit of escapism here a bit of reverie for the glory days of the club I support Manchester United it's obviously been a tricky uh, seven years now since nearly since Sir Alex Ferguson left no Premier League title in that time uh, to go with the 13 that he won for the club taking them up to 20 titles all told but we're going to speak to um, Tom McDermott hopefully who is a colleague or former colleague of mine at Sky although I never worked actually alongside him physically he worked for Sky he now works uh, covering Manchester United for his own blog he works as a digital consultant but also writes pieces for the Sun newspaper daily newspaper national newspaper in the UK about Manchester United so just get his take on looking back down memory lane to some of the glory days the teams of the 90s the first Premier League title perhaps 93 and the great teams that Sir Alex built all the way up to his retirement in 2013 I uh, wish you well of course hope everything's going well with the coronavirus impact particularly those people who are in the vulnerable situations we have a couple in my family and luckily they so far have not contracted COVID-19 um, but a very strange time so hopefully this will lighten the mood a little bit shout out to Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV who are specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations they are the team Jason Briggs and Co in the uh, Bang & Olufsen uh, shop in Montpellier in Cheltenham which is where I'm recording this in my front garden in the west of England not far from their store actually obviously they're kind of on an impasse like everyone else on pause at the moment I'd imagine but hopefully check them out when everything gets up and running we resume some kind of normality in the meantime let's uh, return to the wonderful 1990s Manchester United before coronavirus before SARS before bird flu swine flu and uh, everything else when we were just uh, worried at the matters at hand with Manchester United as young boys growing up. Hope you enjoy this, guys. Do get in touch. Ed Draper, 81, on social media. Tom McDermott's also on social media, too, if you want to catch up with him after this podcast. Thank you very much. Hi, mate. Hello, Tom McDermott. How are you, mate? I'm all right, are you? Yeah, good. How was homeschooling today? All right, actually, yeah. It was, um, yeah, it's... I've always said teachers should be paid half a million pounds a year. <laughs> Brings it home, doesn't it, as well? It does. Yeah. Like, what about you? Everything all right? Yeah, good. Yeah, it was good my little girl as well. So this, this week, went, went, relaxed it a little bit to realise that one-on-one was quite intense. Although, like you say, imagine having 30, 30 kids would be would be phenomenal in terms Mate, when of... when you uh, drop them off at that school gate, you don't realise, do you? No, you don't at all. But beautiful weather at least, which despite the surreal situation means that we can get in the garden. It I guess, did, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, Which, you, you edit this, Ed? Do you, do you edit this out or do you just well, to let it roll? No, I'm happy to let it roll. If you are, buddy, yeah. Just uh, as long as you don't say anything um, too salacious, we're all, we're all good, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's good. But, but I thought we'd, we, we talked about this last week, didn't we? Just a couple of shouts because everything is very surreal, very kind of worrying at the moment in the, in the UK, just having a bit of uh, fun and uh, positivity. We were going to have one on, I think, on your platform. We'll do a, a podcast about contemporary Manchester United and things. But we're both fans of a similar generation growing up you actually close to Manchester I moved around loads so probably didn't get to go as much as you or indeed to this day but 
it was it was it's nice to think back to those days, isn't it? And what was your what was your first sort of regular season that you remember being in sort of enthralled by United? Because it was presumably before the glory era, isn't it? Because I always remind people that we were yeah. actually fans before then. My 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 first game at Old Trafford, I think, was so I was born in eighty two. Uh, yeah, we'll get it all out there. Eighty two, <laughs> and I think my first game was in eighty eight Manchester United versus Newcastle United. I think United won two nil. Brian Robson yep. got a header. I always remember a Clayton Blackmore shot from about 35 yards. Wow. That's... He had a proper striker, didn't he? You know, look <laughs> up Clayton struck, Blackmore's boot. Struck the bar. Um, and so that was the first season. But of course, around that time, it was it was Elton Wells being one game a week, wasn't it? ITV, the man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think it followed Bullseye. And even then, <laughs> Liverpool, it's a bit like now, really. Liverpool would would get the best of United in, in, in mm. the big games. That was the big game to look forward to. But it was interesting because actually... Uh, earlier on today, I was uh, I was after I, I spoke to you this morning, obviously. But uh, since then, I uh, I listened to a podcast with Michael Knighton, who uh, oh yeah, Manchester United fans who are listening will N- nearly bought the club, didn't he? Is that right? He did, yeah. He came on the pitch, did the kick ups and things like that. Um, he was actually a board director, I believe, and he <clears> was speaking about how much pressure Alex Ferguson was actually under. He was Alex Ferguson then, of course, but and he was yeah. very, very close, very close to, to getting sacked. And I think the stories that. The Mark Robbins famous headed goal in the FA Cup third, mm. third round in, in January 1990. I think that literally saved him. And and there there where my memories come in really. I remember the, the pressure in social media wasn't what it was perhaps now, but certainly for Sir Alex Ferguson, as Sir Alex Ferguson was known as Alex Ferguson <laughs> then. But certainly yeah. years that was the kind of era where I can really start. Yeah, because he came in obviously in um, the end of '86, in the October '86, Sir Alex, and then it was what three and a half years up until that point. And then '89, '90 was was the FA Cup, but he also spent quite a lot of money, didn't he? Because he was bringing in players like Ince, Mark Hughes, uh, Gary Pallister as well. There's a good good amount of money being spent. Yeah, did you hear that, Ed? Sorry. Yes, yeah, sorry, I can hear. You. Yeah, can you hear me there? Okay. Sorry, Tom. I think I just. Uh, Lost you there. Can you hear me now? Hello, hello. Hello, Tom. Can you hear me? Okay? Apologies. Sorry about that. Was it my end or your end? I don't know. But I think <laughs> my signal's pretty strong. I, I, I think you know. It really comes and, and comes, comes and goes. Yeah. Well, we'll um, we'll crack on and, and try and get as as much as we can on the on the on the car. But we were just um, talking before. We'll start we'll start again, but then we can we can always add little bits and lose, lose you for for um, the future. But we we're talking about the eighties and, and supporting Manchester United and, and the sort of I guess relevance as well, Tom, to, to the situation we've had over the last few years with managers coming and going about Sir Alex Ferguson being given time, and that he came in back end of eighty six, and it took till nineteen ninety for the FA Cup. Do you think about that now when when you're writing about the club and and the situation around managers that for the greatest manager we had, arguably aside from Samat Busby, that it was, it was a question of time. I do because we're in an era and, and again, going back to the eighties and, and early nineties, you remember Gazetta football Italia on, on, with James Richardson on channel four. And yeah. I used to look at those, those games and, and that era and the kind of culture around Italian football at the time and think, blimey, they get rid of their managers quickly. And <laughs> we're, we're, we're definitely there and probably leading the pack now. Uh, and I often compare Sir Alex Ferguson, uh, his sort of 
start and his success from 1990 onwards and, and wonder what he'd do now. And I think Solskjaer is probably, having, having written him off several times, he's going about it the right way because what he appears to be doing is changing the culture. Mm. And it's probably harder, I guess, to win a trophy now. You look at the success um, or, the, I, I guess, how highly regarded Pochettino's, uh, Mauricio Pochettino is, is regarded, but he's actually never won anything. Yeah. So Solskjaer, yeah, you know, the problem is that yeah. What, what, why not? Why not give him? Why not give him time? What about you? Yeah. you is it something you think back onto the eighties and compare it eighties and nineties compare it to now? Yeah, I do because I was I was supporting from afar actually because I I lived in the my dad was a doctor or is still a doctor actually we lived in finished for a while so I wasn't able to go to Old Trafford until the early nineties but I remember being across Manchester United, I'd followed the 1990 Cup run in particular, Mark Robbins scoring the goal against Forrest and that sort of so-called save Alex Ferguson's job. But I do look back at that and think, um, we were talking about the people that were signed. Mark Hughes was brought back from his, his trip to Europe, Barcelona and, and uh, Bayern Munich, I believe. And he came back and then we had Gary Pallister signed, Paul Ince. It started to come together, didn't it? Lee Sharp was signed, people yes. like that. And But it took a good few years to come together. So, and I think we've seen that with, you know, Jose Mourinho, arguably one of the, the best managers ever on in terms of trophies. Didn't quite gel for him at United as quickly as it has elsewhere. But I just I just get the sense that if we if it's going to be long term again, even if it's a successive manager, it needs to be someone needs to be given time to lay foundations. Because I think we felt that, that Fergie in twenty thirteen had, had had kind of come to the end of that particular team. It was when he retired, that team almost needed to be retired in in effect. So but looking back, it's quite interesting to think of the pressure being on, like you said, there's no social media. Like we, every time there's a Manchester United game, you and I see tweets regarding Manchester United, but back there, late eighties and early nineties, it was all in the papers. And I guess radio, but even radio, there was no dedicated sports radio channel. Was there? I think, um, was it radio two had football potentially, but it it had all the music as well. Did they have six Oh six? Maybe. Yeah. It might have had six or six, I suppose. May have been then. I'm not sure when that started. I remember David Mellor was a Chelsea fan doing that in the nineties. I can't remember when that, In it, but the pressure. You you want Yeah, I mean, I think we mentioned previously before we got cut off that there's a podcast, a good podcast out with Andy Mitten from United We Stand. He speaks to Michael Knighton, and he kind of re-highlights just how close Alex Ferguson was to being sacked in 1990. Um, mm. And it'd be interesting, but I think there's all the messages from Old Trafford in, in, in the present day are that even when they had the tricky period, but the, the loss to Burnley at home, uh, I think in January, and, and, and the defeat to Manchester City um, at Old Trafford. I think that, in the League Cup, of course, not the Premier League game, but the League Cup, I think, look, I think that, who do you get in that's a better job? They've had the big name, you know, Pochettino's mm. been linked, but again, as, as we mentioned on, on an early podcast, he hasn't actually won anything. So I think Solskjaer, although he's been written off and I've done it myself, I think you've probably just got to give him time. And I think, you know what, actually, since January... He has um, bought himself at least the next transfer window, whatever that is. Um, yeah. And then you look at his transfers and think, actually, how many transfers have, have been, you know, have not been to standard? And, and they've all pretty much been superb. So, yeah. you look at that and you think, actually, he's probably worth it at least another season, whenever that may be, but we don't know. I was asked, to go, yeah, I I was asked a question on Twitter this morning. I, I must ask you, Ed. <laughs> um, because uh, it's, it's obviously related to what we're talking about now. And I wanted to ask you, and, and then I'll, I'll hand the, the keys back to you, but no, from the 1993, sorry, the 94 double winning team, if you could pick yeah. one player, and it's not allowed to be Eric Cantona, 
<laughs> Who would you put into the current team? Oof. That is a great shout. Because as soon as um, they removed Cantona from the question, I was I was I was like that was like <laughs> I was struggling. <laughs> well, I tell you what, who I it's difficult because when you look back at who your favourite players are, it's not always statistically the best. But one of the players I loved as a kid, and I remember particularly the '91 Cup Winners Cup final, yeah. and he was still playing for United in '94 was Mark Hughes because mm. I just think he was that sort of totem pole target man. I know he played midfield later in his career, no, earlier in his career before that, but he, for United played that kind of um, stocky, very skillful, incredible volleyer of the ball, just fiery character. So I wonder, and obviously you then question who would drop out the side, Rashford. Fantastic or, thighs. Or, yeah, but yeah, just... fantastic thighs from Mark Hughes. Yeah. So I just, his, because what that team had was a lot of aggression, wasn't it? And that athleticism and physicalness and that physicality. I think maybe, maybe Mark Hughes, but this, presumably this doesn't include goalkeepers and things. So I think you presumably you would consider having Schmeichel or someone like that potentially. Would you, well, that's another debate. Would you, would you put, put him in instead of De Gea? I think possibly as a, as a leader, I think De Gea is arguably one of the greatest ever shot stoppers, but I think all round game, Schmeichel was very dominant, mm. wasn't he? And, and charismatic and, and inspirational with the team. Uh, but it's a tough inspirational players. I want to ask you because you said you went to United for the first time in '88. I was living out of the country yeah. at that point and didn't go to the early '90s. But one player I always think it was a shame in a sense was Brian Robson yeah. being such a wonderful player. And I've watched it on videos from the '80s when he was at his real peak that he wasn't, and he was obviously lucky enough there to get a Premier League winners' medal in '93 and and I think '94 he was still there, wasn't he? In the double was, winning yes. season, but. He wasn't, you know, that kind of rip-roaring box-to-box midfielder. Did you see him him live at his pond? Yeah, uh, I, I'm not sure. I, I saw him at his absolute best because of because of his injury situation. Um, yeah, but I did. I had seen him. He was always my my dad's hero. My dad's favourite player was always Brian Robson. We always have a who was better, Dad, Roy Keane or, or Brian Robson debate. <laughs> he, he sticks with with Brian Robson. Robson yeah. to me, and I, I'm all, I, I compare him to not in terms of style of play to Paul Pogba. But Robson, to me, was a player who played in the United side sort of pre-1990 that struggled or shouldn't have been where it probably wasn't where it should be, rather. And I look at United yes. with Pogba and I sort of see Robson turning out world-class performances. You've got, you know, people have been posted this week, Robson's famous game against Barcelona and Maradona yeah. in the 80s. And I just think with Paul Pogba that... He should look to somebody like Brian Robson, who played in a similar area, was a world-class footballer. And we managed to get, when he was on the field anyway, superb performances out of him. And I just think, it's... for me, seeing Robson... Robson was a was a real leader of men. He was the first... You know, he was there before Steve Bruce. He was there before Schmeichel. He was there before Keane, Cantona, and mm. Hughes. And he was a real, real leader in there. But he was one of a... I think he was more in the Steven Gerrard mode in the sense that he could probably get on the end mm. of his own his own crosses and finish finish them off. Whereas today <laughs> you have more sort of specialist defensive midfielders like Angelo Kante, that kind of era has gone. So he was all action. He yeah. was he was up and down. He was chasing balls down, and he could really play. I'd probably say he was a slightly better footballer than than Roy Keane. Uh, but I'll get well, shot shot wise as well. Isn't he? he could really smash the ball with his left foot from the edge of the box. Fan, and, yeah. Fantastic, yeah, it's superb. So I was an all round footballer, um, but again. Hugely hampered by injuries, hugely hampered by injuries, which which was a real real shame. Yeah, um, yeah. It's funny. It's, it's interesting comparison that one with Keane, isn't it? Because people often ask that. And so for for those of us who saw who grew up with Keane, it was it was hard to imagine anyone be better. And to be fair to Keane, I think he always says that he adjusted his game to complement Paul Scholes when when Scholes dropped into midfield and became more of that defensive anchor. When yeah. 
because I remember Keane first coming in the first season he was there, 93-94. He was sort of box-to-box, box, but even a kind of the attacking midfielder, wasn't he, of, of two? You mentioned Mark. Yeah, you mean you mentioned Mark Hughes before. The, the intelligent football to me as they go through the years adapt the game. And, and we saw Mark Hughes playing in that sort of, I think it was for Everton and, and certainly Southampton, he played in that midfield yeah. role, didn't he? Roy Keane, although always plays central midfield, adapted his game and, mm. uh, and made those work slightly harder around him as, as he... As he progressed through skulls, we know was a, a number ten, and uh, and then a um, you know midfielder, then a deep line midfielder, if you like. Whereas I think Robson, I think he found that difficult, perhaps adapting yeah. as it was certainly at Middlesbrough. I'll never forget him at, at Middlesbrough once. I think he was playing central defender or sweeper at one point, and <laughs> I thought he really struggled. And because if you've got that much passion, it's like Gerard. We never really saw Gerard adapt that much, did we? He, he, no, of course he played changed. wide. Played wide a little bit early in his career, didn't he? Because he was quick, Jared, yeah, right? he was, and and I think the same can be said for Robson. But fantastic player, and it would have been amazing to get him really. I think in his in his pomp in that ninety four double winning team. Because I was talking to Paul Parker about it the other day. What a team they had, but they were hampered, of course, by the by the foreigner rule at the time. They had mm. a certain amount of foreign signings playing for them, and I thought if a fit Robson was was in that ninety four team I think albeit yes he he was getting on a bit in terms of his age and, and performing at the highest level but I think if you had a fit peak Brian Robson next to Roy Keane uh, in that 94 sort of double winning team you might have seen a, a Champions League win as well that year. Yeah it'd be pretty special it was bizarre but that the Champions League foreign rule included Welsh players didn't it so Ryan Giggs and Mark Hughes yeah. were included on that, really on that list as well. Really great. Yeah it's very weird, but that's a good debate about that because that hampered them in the Champions League. But of course, in '99 they won the Champions League. But that's always a good debate because at the moment we were having it on Sky Sports News, and I think Jamie Carragher's had it with Roy Keane on on Sky Sports as well. What was the better team, the current Liverpool side, which until the season was suspended due to coronavirus, was on the cusp of a, a massive points haul yeah. and a win in the in the Premier League. But the '99 United season, but that '99 versus '94 is quite an interesting comparison, isn't it? When you think of people like Kanchelskis being part yeah. of that United team as well. It, it just absolutely rapid down the right wing. It was a, it was an exhilarating team, that one. It was, and, and players can come in. You talk about central midfielders. Roy Keane had the number 16 shirt, and then somebody like Michael Carrick comes in, takes the number 16 shirt, wins yeah. the European Cup, and appears in more Champions League finals than Roy Keane. But often isn't spoken about you know, in the same sort of level, is he? But what, what a player Michael no. Carrick was. I, I, I mentioned Michael Carrick because you mentioned the 94 and the 99 teams. I actually think Ferguson's best team was the 08. Do you? Yeah, the yeah, 08 so the, team. And that was more of a 4-3-3, was it, at that point? With Tevez and, and um, Rooney and, Tevez, Rena- and Ronaldo. Ronaldo yeah. Carrick, Scholes, Hargreaves. Yeah. And, well, Hargreaves was a big loss, wasn't he? Because we'd, we'd wanted that anchor, that anchor midfield since Keane retired in two, or left to Celtic in 2005, quickly retired. Um and that been lot, and that he looked almost like he could do that job, didn't he? That was a big loss. Again, such a such a uh, such a a talented player, but again, with, with injuries got the best of him, isn't there? Um, yeah. One player I think needs a mention that through the ninety four ninety nine teams that never gets a mention played in both those great teams and was probably yeah. the best. Um, can we say left back maybe throughout that era, Dennis Irwin? Oh yeah. Absolute class, wasn't because he? Because he, he, he was a right back when he came from Oldham. He was, he? yeah. He was, he, a right, was, right footer, yeah. He, was, he was. He was a right full back. Played left back. Um, was was great going forward. Could take a free kick. Good, great at, uh, at um, getting you know involved in playing that attacking third. You see these different great sort of or, or really exciting wing backs today, like Chilwell, uh, people like that. You know, yeah. And, and Man City have got a couple as well, and Liverpool and Robertson and Trent. 
Denny Serwin was was there. He was doing it, wasn't he, 20 years ago? <laughs> yeah, he was. Well, fantastic on that right foot. It almost worked as well. He was kind of, although he was playing fullback, he was ahead of his time in that sense of cutting in on his right foot, which is what we see now with wingers, isn't it? Or the wide forwards, as they call them in the in the four three three, was cut, is cutting in from the wide position on your stronger foot rather than being the traditional winger at that stage, which was you'd go on the outside on your on your strong foot. Um, so yeah, he was a, he was an absolutely class player actually, and involved in two uh, of the great teams that you, that you mentioned. Yeah, and what do you think? What about centre halves? Who are the best? Because centre halves is an interesting one. Because Bruce and Pallister, obviously, and I remember being there. I was at Old Trafford for the Sheffield Wednesday game. I think that will stay with me as one of the most magical moments. United won the. Oh, wow. I think it was April, April '93, and then wow. Bruce scores the the first the first header from pretty much outside or the edge of the box, and it just goes in. And you mentioned Brian Robson; he jumped towards him. Was it Nigel Worthington on the line? Was yeah, like that, I think, and, yeah. and uh, it almost took him did out. John Sheridan, did John Sheridan score for Wednesday? I don't. Yes, he did. And he scored against United in the League Cup final, didn't he, around that time as well? I remember it was uh, Sheridan with, with a penalty. And he's, uh, and uh, yeah, and then when it's sort of that, even the equaliser, people explode. I had a Man United hat on and someone picked it up and threw it up in the air and then obviously went on to get the, the winning goal, Bruce, off a flick, I think. Or well, Pallister crossed it from the right and it got a nick and then Bruce headed it in hard and low at, at the near post. But it was, that was a dramatic game. So you always think Bruce and Pallister, in terms of athleticism and, and, and maybe class and, Guile weren't maybe up there with Yapstam and, and Rio Ferdinand and, and, and Vidic, but they just work so well. And, and I think what's strange, Tom, when we try and work out what's been going wrong with Man United over the past seven years, going wrong relatively, they're not, a lot of people say they're not like getting relegated or facing the adversity some clubs are. But what's different is maybe not the talent on paper or the stats, is it? It's about something about the heart and the character, which Ferguson always seemed to find and above all else, really. I always, I always say that about um, Edwin van der Sar, actually. Edwin van der Sar, mm. for me, was a fantastic goalkeeper, but not in terms of ability. Didn't have the yeah. ability as um, certainly De Gea and Schmeichel. But what he did have with the two guys in front of him in um, Vidic and Ferdinand, talking about central defenders, is communication. Yeah. And they went on that ridiculous run, didn't they, the three of them? And at that point, yeah. I don't think that Vidic and Rio were... Certainly Rio, anyway. I didn't think Rio was quite at the peak of his powers then. But that communication no. factor and that understanding, and I think the same can be said with... Schmeichel, Pallister and Bruce. If you're looking at central defenders, great central defenders of Manchester United, Pallister and Bruce are in that list. Of course they are. But ability-wise, yeah. I wouldn't say they were better than Stam or Rio Ferdinand. They certainly weren't as, as athletic, um, no. which, you know, is, is kind of a, one of the key things in the, in the, in the modern game. But I think in terms of organisation, um, relationship that with the goalkeeper, Pallister and Bruce, fantastic. I always say if I could pick two central defenders, from any areas to play for Manchester United, I'd go with Yap Stam and Rio Ferdinand. I think yeah. What? But I think the best partnership was probably Ferdinand and Vidic, um, yeah. followed by um, Pallister and Bruce, who, who I think Ferguson famously named Dolly and Daisy, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he did. But it's that in, those intangibles, isn't it? It's not about necessarily how quick he can do 10 yards. Absolutely. Bruce was quite a slow guy, but he was very, very bright. And it's an amazing thing he didn't get capped by the England England senior team. And when you, when you look at that, what who was your... Because it's, it's tricky, but it's about timing. Is it, who was your favourite striker watching Manchester United? Because obviously you had Hughes, we had, we had Cantona. I often wonder about Cantona because would he even fit into modern formations? You know, we all yeah. grew up with 4-4-2. And did he, did he, but did he let us play down 4-3-3 now. Well, potentially, didn't he? But then, like you say, we were hampered by that that overseas rule. And he left it early, didn't he? he left it, you know, thirty one. He he, he he left the scene. Yeah. It just went very very quickly. He retired. No. Um, but yeah, it's strange when you look about football now and think about what players may or may not fit in and where they fit into 
the modern four three three. The greatest um, striker I've seen at United is Ruud van Nistelrooy. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was. But 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 at the same time, didn't win probably as many Premier League titles as, as he should have done. I think it was no. I won't say it was all about Ruud, but I think he was. Ferguson was. I think his time had come to an end, and I think a different dimension, a different way of playing came when we saw Luis Ahar come in and replace him. But if you're talking about a striker scoring goals and how clinical it was, how emphatic he was, he was just cold in, in, in that area, left foot, right foot, header. He was quick for a guy that was over six foot as well. Yeah, yeah he was. Yeah. Highbury, where he kind of... Yeah. I think he left Martin Keown on the halfway line, didn't he, and dinked it over. I think Taylor was in goal that day, was it? Was it Stuart Taylor? Somebody I think put... it probably... I think it was, yeah, actually, yeah. In the great... Yeah, so... Yeah. The, the, Vanister had everything. He was, I think, he was harder than he he, he made out. He, he he didn't mind a little dive now and again, as we saw against Arsenal a few times. But he he was strong. He was quick. He was very good in the air, left foot, right foot. And I think that Real Madrid got a very good deal for a strike, yeah. for a striker when he moved on. Um, of course, you've got to have he was Ro- still good there as well. Yeah. yeah, Rooney's got to have a mention. Yeah, the all-time goal scorer. Goal scorer. Yeah. Ro- Ro- but Rudy was a player who who played in several positions for United. He was he didn't come as a striker. He he was a number ten. He was a wide forward often when Tevez and Ronaldo were there. He used to play off Berbatov. Uh, yeah. He played with a whole host of strikers. And then obviously in his latter days, you talk about players changing their game to fit their age and and how they're sort of maturing. He, he was a central midfielder, wasn't he, or a or a, yeah. a deeper player? So yeah, he him in there. And I've also got D- Dwight York. I love Dwight York. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, and that was, and that again, partnerships is there's an intriguing, wasn't there? Because you had Cantor and Hughes, you had Cole and, and York, and you had, I mean, I suppose you had Sheringham with with various players, but you, I guess you always think of Sheringham and Solskjaer both coming off the bench, but you could put Sheringham with with Cole or or with York. Sheringham, who I well. think had his greatest United season, maybe oh one oh two or oh two oh three, a couple of years after the treble winning. Campaign. Yeah, I think it was he football of the year. And deep into his thirties, he was. Yeah, he was. He was doing the. But um, I don't know. What about you? Who who would you? I mean, you mentioned what is interesting there. You mentioned partnerships, central defensive partnerships. Yeah. Cole and York up front and people like that. Do you think these kind of on-field sort of combinations are, are dying now as well? Well, I don't know. I think it's a virtue of the squad game as well, isn't it? We were talking, we met up, and I think it's probably an age thing as well, even though we both work in sport. I think sometimes you have your best memories when you're 12 and 13, you know, squads independently all the way through. But um, I think, yeah, maybe they maybe they are. The squad game has affected that, but I think you've seen it in Liverpool certainly, haven't you? With um, Van Dijk and Gomez is a good foil for him. Whether Gomez is the best of the centre half, he seems to work well with Van Dijk. And with United, maybe there's green shoots with with Lindelof and, and Harry Maguire, isn't there? I think perhaps yeah. that's slight, slight start. Yeah. 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 No, I think. How, yeah, do, you, I think, how do you say? I think it's e- I think it's easier as a central defend defence, and it's it's interesting. Even though Eric Bailly's come back to some sort of fitness, he. Solskjaer picking his, his sort of best eleven, if you like. He always goes with Maguire and Lindelof, doesn't he? So I think at yeah. the base of you know the base of your your team, just head of your goalkeeper, you have to have a combination there. But even in that treble winning side for Manchester United, Stam and Jonsson were the were the preferred pair. <laughs> Hedingberg, you know, yeah, got a game. He, yeah. got, he, he got in there. So you're right, it's a squad yeah. game. And, and yeah. at Liverpool, they've got Matip, haven't they? And Gomez to play yeah. alongside Van Dijk. Uh, and even Lovren gets 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 a run out and out again. So, yeah, I think um, defensively, but I think going forward now, I'm not sure that it is as as I won't say important, but I don't think it's as fashionable, should we say, than it was maybe ten or fifteen years ago. Tom, a player we grew up with, and it's hard to remember 
kind of where he was because it's such a long career but i remember being sort of i guess nine or something when he made his eight or nine when he made his debut i think ryan Giggs in 1991 yep. and then he went from 17 to 40 playing for the team so he's somebody always referenced because he was kind of there the entire time incredible longevity but do you remember the excitement around Giggs when he first came it was all the comparisons with george best and incredible the, just electric wasn't even the way he used to dribble and run with the ball and he like you talk about evolution he evolved a lot but there was talk when he was younger that he would eventually become a striker which he never never quite pulled off i remember a an interview um with i think it was brian robson about Giggs, one of Giggs's first training sessions and viv anderson was marking him and after about a yeah. minute they were like wow what is this <laughs> what what is he doing to a to a to a seasoned international player? I just think yeah. with gigs that he he was well known in sort of the, you know nationally played for England schoolboys famously didn't he? But I think within the Manchester area, I think he was a a bit like Wayne Rooney really. I think he was always going to be a superstar footballer, and I think everybody knew about it. I think Giggs was another mm. as well. You talk about changing position and how he played. I think Giggs Giggs altered his game from a from yeah. sort of a pacey winger to a sort of an inside forward to a central midfielder. And I think that's what the really, really intelligent players can do. They can alter the game. They might not be able to get around the pitch uh, as well as they, 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 they can do, but, you know, they get other people pulled in and they talk about um, they fill space. They bet other people doing their run from them. They more sort of, I, I guess, timely with their runs. And I think Ryan Giggs was, yeah. was, was a great example of that. Of course, he went for yoga, didn't he, to, to sort his hamstrings out yeah. in, his, in, in his latter years, which I think he says prolongs his... Manchester United career, but yeah, there was always a buzz around Ryan Giggs. Always, always a buzz. But I mean, what a player! What, what, what a player! He is. He was just an incredible player, wasn't he? He was just electric as a kid watching him. I remember going to Old Trafford and when you'd be there. It was just a buzz of excitement. To be honest, when he was a teenager, you'd sometimes lose the ball eventually, but just just rip past people. I remember that goal against Tottenham Hotspur in around about '93, I think. Not big was it? He, yeah, he nutmegged and then accelerated around to the uh, the left hand side, then he ran the defender and, and thrashed it into the net. And I remember being there for a three 0 win over Middlesbrough, where he, he rattled one in from a, the left hand side of the penalty area. I think it kind of went across the keeper into the top of the goal or something like that. And obviously, the ninety nine FA Cup semi final against Arsenal was 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 unreal as well. Who do you think that is underrated? Because it's interesting, Roy Keane that saw him. Uh, talking about the 99 team recently, he was talking about David Beckham, who I think in 99 was second in the World Player of the Year. He, he was, yes. Yeah. 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 And, and and I look back and I watched recently, the did a Monday Night Football retro the other night because we're running out of things to run at Sky. And it was, but it was really interesting to watch it. It was a 6-1 win over Arsenal in, I think, 2001, 2002, was it around that time? And um, uh, Beckham just did a, a, a for Dwight York one of his goals Dwight York sort of hat trick it was a sort of Beckham had gone round the player on the right hand side yeah. charged to halfway and, and lashed a, a cross field driven pass over uh, inch perfect over a defender's head just for York to cushion control and run onto and you do forget how good he was at his peak and, and Keane said that the celebrity thing and the the publicity around him actually detracted from the fact that he was an incredible player both in terms of energy and his passing and the way he hit the ball was almost unlike any other Beckham had had the that, that ridiculous right foot, but one of the things that I always think about when I when I think about David Beckham is his work rate. Yeah, it was it was incredible. He was he could he could literally run all day. Yeah, you know, I and he used to win the about test four places yeah. at once. You know the famous England Greece game. Um, yeah, he sort of forget the free kick that that speaks for itself. But his actual, if you just watch that second half again. He's in yeah. about three places at once. He, he, he's a one-man crusade, but he's only able to do that because he was so fit. Yeah, and he he looked after himself, and he and he, he was very professional. Um, in terms of him, 
playing in a more central position where you couldn't take that right foot away from, especially in the trouble-winning season, the likes of Dwight York and Andy Cole, and then obviously Van Nistelrooy profited from it, didn't he? Ronaldo, when he went to yeah. Madrid, um, you only have to look through the clips there. But I think if you've got the, the likes of Keane and Scholes sat just in, inside of you and you're on that right-hand side, you, you might, you know, you'd have to be some player to, to budge one of those <laughs> out of there. But yeah, he was, he was, he was special and he was, what what got me? It never affected him, did it? It never impacted his performance. And I think if there were any signs of that, I remember Sir Alex Ferguson dropping him once before a game at Ellen Road against Leeds United. I think Andy Cole scored mm. that day. United were one 0 but it very rarely got in the way of his football. I think I can only remember maybe one or two times when it was called into question. He he was such a great player. He just seemed to take everything in his stride. Everything he did. In his stride. And amazing, like like gigs, similar longevity as well to 2013, and he ended up playing for Paris Saint Germain in the sort of knockout stages of the Champions right. League, off yeah. without training for a couple of months, I think, or without having a regular season for a couple of months. And he, and he at 38 or something was was fit and playing central midfield. It was quite incredible. Don't, don't forget it, that that you, you, you great shout as well. But the 1990s, it might have been, you know, uh, Ballon d'Or run, runner up in that. But don't forget when he came back from the World Cup in '98. Yes, um, and all the and all the, you know, I don't just mean because of who he was married to. The the, the whole nation was, you know, the, the away fans were, you know, the refugees of, you know, he's, the abuse he got was ridiculous. Yeah, it was yeah. precedent. Well, it was really, really. So he's, I think he's, he's another one that you know, his, his mental strength and his character um, shouldn't be called a question. And, and a lot of the, the class of '92 had that. I think Skulls is similar. Mm, yeah, well, but I talk about Skulls because he's a lot of the. He's often the guy that they say was the best player they play with, wasn't it? The, the class of '92 in terms of across the stretch, even players that people that played with with Eric Cantona and and played with Wayne Rooney as well. I think yes. I mean, Skulls will always be my favourite United player. He's a, he was a, a genius, wasn't he? He was several steps ahead mentally. He could pick a pass. He could execute a pass. If it was a ten-yard one or a. Mm. Or, or a thirty, or even a sixty-yard pass. His ability to arrive in the area so late was yeah. rate I think he was an incredibly good header of the ball. Yeah, uh, despite being five five feet seven tall. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. The guy who wasn't particularly quick, uh, and and wasn't yeah, as you say, wasn't tall. So, and 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 famously had you know was asthmatic. Yeah, well, that's because that, that almost was that almost the, the sort of sometimes in life you get a positive out of a negative, and almost that asthma because he was a sort of striker, was a second striker, like I say, at 10 when he first he started, and then he moved back and effectively became that playmaker long term because of his uh, physiological conditioning. He said he couldn't make the runs forward anymore. Of course, yeah, yeah you, you know, and he was, yeah, so for me, but the, the greatest crown with, with Paul Scholes, I think, was why we didn't get the best out of him for, for, for England, really. Mm. You know, would Xavi or Iniesta be placed on? Yeah. The left side of midfield for for, for Spain, and, and I know that we had Gerard and, and Lampard, but you know what a lovely problem to have to have Gerard, Lampard, Beckham, and Scholes. Well, four three three, you could have played, couldn't you? Arguably with it and played Beckham on the right of the front three or something, maybe. Or yeah, doesn't doesn't do bear thinking about it's, no, it, it, but it's wasted. It's a, it's a wasted opportunity. Yeah, it's funny how that formations you get stuck into a, a lockdown with them, and then perhaps they don't fit fit certain players. Um, what about other players? You think that. You kind of forget about people, maybe forget about a little bit. I think maybe about um, Paul Parker, you mentioned as well, right back at the start. And obviously, Gary Neville superseded him, but Parker yeah. was a big part of that success, wasn't he? And for us who were England fans as well, obviously, a big part of England getting to the semi finals at Italian United yeah. as well. Three players, three players for me. Um, first is Paul Parker. Uh, Park, Paul um, was actually a central defender. Yeah. Before he was placed in. So Bobby Robson only played him a couple of times pre 1990. And when he was included in the squad, 
leading up to 1990, you very often found himself in the stands or, or as a substitute. And Bob, so Bobby would make him watch mm. um, and, and look at how things were played. And then the team escaped at the beginning. I think it was the Republic of Ireland were perhaps England's first game at Italia 90. And after he said he pulled, we had Holland next, who had the holy trinity of Rijkaard, Van Basten <laughs> and Hullet. Yeah. And he, so Bobby said to him, he said, we're going to play you. He thought, great. He said, we're going to play you as a right wing back. Now, he'd never played right wing back before. <laughs> so he's going into the World Cup, World Cup against three of the greatest players ever. Yeah. And he's now playing right wing back. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, in terms of his United career, I thought he was a fantastic defender. But he, he, he said to me before, and I think this will apply to Williams eventually in Greenwood, that he had in Gary Neville somebody waiting in the wings. And he, so Alex who said to him, he said, look, I need to play Gary. Yeah. I need to play some of these youngsters. They need to get in now. And I think eventually we'll see that in with the modern team that Greenwood will just be too good to leave out. Mm-hmm. William, you know. Well, but, but William was the past surely, but Shaw's still young himself. But then they started playing Shaw sometimes. They've got both. They've, they've, yeah. He's got them both. It hasn't he? Clever, yeah. Clever. yeah. Um, and then the other two players I, 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 I mentioned is the 99 team. Um, I really like Jesper Blomquist. Yes. Yeah, understudy. For, he was understudy for gigs, a bit like Lee Sharp in gigs used to alternate before before that, didn't they? Yeah, and he was a, a signing from Parma. Um, came actually started the Champions League final, I think, um, and was a was a really good squad member in there. And he was a, I, I just really liked. Him. I remember him terrorising United for Gothenburg, I think, yeah. in 1984, and thinking, God, that'd be a good player. Um, but obviously, with gigs, I didn't think it'd happen. Yeah, and then my, my favourite. And I always try and squeeze this guy into my top 10 Manchester United players. And I don't really have a leg to stand on by doing so. But I look, and he's, he's Juan Sebastian Verón because... Yeah, a class player, gosh, wasn't he? God, God. For Argentina as well, though. He used to torment England. Yeah. I mean, did he, I never saw him kick the ball with his left foot. No. He had that little thing under his... I think he used to go on the Brigitte or something. The, the little witch. He had this little thing under his knee as well. This little <laughs> bandage under his knee that I tried to copy. And yeah, he was just... What a talent he was. Again, probably didn't get the best out of him. Yeah. But uh, those three for me, as if you like. I mean, Paul Parker, not really an unsung hero because he, he went on to win the double for United. He was... The goal against Tottenham, always remember Parker, don't you? It was a rare. Was it his only goal or how many goals did he get? Was it? I think he scored another, you know. Did he? I don't know. I think he may have scored an FA Cup goal. I'll quiz him on it. Oh, but okay. yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, we, I mean, you remember the Canton, our pass, I take it, that day against yeah. Tottenham to Irwin. And... Irwin, yeah. It was, it was McClare, wasn't it McClare's side of the foot, outside of the foot to yes. Parker, yeah? I think that was it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. But yeah, Brian well, Mc, forget Brian McClare. Brian McClare was a great striker, wasn't he? Converting to a central early in the Early in the sort of United sort of 90s era. What about your show? Have you got a, a player that you thought perhaps not disappointed, but well, it's was funny, United it's, and... It's funny players, you, you talk about now how we get disappointed with signings and stuff in, in recent times and people like Angel Di Maria, it still frustrates me when you're yeah. doing great for Paris yeah. Saint-Germain, but remember players like Jordi Cruyff and, and Karol Poborski who came to the, yeah. the yeah. club off, off uh, tournaments, obviously Cruyff was son of Johan Cruyff and came from Barcelona, but it didn't dislike him, it never really fired. Diego Forlan um, perhaps didn't really ignite the way that he did later on, did he? But he scored the goals against Liverpool that time and it was fantastic. Uh, at that point, but you sort of wonder what sometimes it's just it's just human beings, isn't it? And personalities don't always clash. It's always an interesting. Um, but a lot Schweinsteiger like, five years earlier, yeah, Schweinsteiger would have been fantastic, wouldn't it? It's a different stage. And I think it's not. It's interesting. Not always just chronological age, is it? It's how they are and how they how they adapt to, to living in the area. Because Di Maria obviously didn't work out for him in Manchester and an Argentinian guy, and it didn't 
kind of embrace the culture necessarily had some difficulties off the pitch as far as I understand but it, it, I'm looking yeah thinking of of players I used to like obviously Lee Martin always has a special place in my heart for scoring the goal in the 99 uh, sorry 1990 FA Cup replay against Crystal oh. Palace and it was Neil Webb who passed it to him as well I remember quite liking Webb in the yeah. early 90s as a, as a passing midfielder he went ended up going back to Knott's Forest didn't he yeah. So, yeah, as, as players that you just remember that you always had a soft spot for, I think, and you were less sort of judgmental and harsh as a kid, weren't you? I think. Yeah, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, a couple of shoulda, coulda, wouldas um, from the 1990s era that I would have liked to have seen United, but didn't happen for, for several reasons. As obviously Shearer springs to mind, but two yeah. other uh, Matt Letitia and David Hurst from Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, because Hurst was due to come, wasn't it? At some point, I remember him being fantastic early nineties, and then had the, the, the was it the injuries or was it his decision not to come? I can't remember I think, the detail. I think he was, it might have been an injury. I think Shearer definitely turned United down, didn't he? But I think yeah. Hurst, I'm not sure if Hurst would have definitely come, but I think he was. Uh, he'd probably be more open. Well, to it, but he was. He was really highly regarded, wasn't he? Yeah. Well, Alan Shearer, obviously with Blackburn, denied United the title in '95. But his strike partner, Chris Sutton, didn't he turn down United in the summer of '94 as well? Wasn't it? Um, well done. Didn't yeah, he? Because yeah, wasn't he a picture? I'm sure I remember him being a picture in the back of a tabloid, red top paper, with a United shirt on. And then it turned, I'm sure he's... Yeah, and I'm sure wow. he talked about... You know, they used to do this sort of, the old primitive Photoshop. Yeah, to kind of put yeah, it on. But I think he talks about his dad had said to him he didn't want him to go to Manchester for the nightlife. He was worried about that. Although Blackburn's not really far <laughs> from Manchester anyway, is it? But, um, yeah, but he, they were great. I mean, that's an incredible story. A team like Blackburn winning the title. Just two minutes, though. Um, but is that there's some, yeah, there's some uh, as well. We mentioned him before, didn't we? Obviously, Beckham ended up operating on that right hand side and Keith Gillespie for a time before that as well. Um, mm. but Beckham um, Kinchelskis was an absolute animal down that right hand side, wasn't oh. he? Rapid and in a thunderous strike with his right foot. Remember, he scored a hat trick against City, didn't he, as well? Which Manchester City, which was big, and he he just worked so well with Cantona with those wonderful passes that were just right into his path, right tempo, right, yeah. right pace. Yeah, no, he was he was wonderful. I forgot about Kinchelski. He just seemed to get quicker and quicker the more yeah. he run. And Lee Sharp was fun, wasn't he? Because of his, his his athleticism and his his sort of just he's always had a smile on his face and his golf celebrations, dancing with the, the corner flags and stuff. I think. Like, yeah, yeah he, he he was the uh, he was a victim of gigs, really, wasn't he? I think in the end, in yeah. terms of just out there wide left and yeah, I think he ended up going to Leeds, didn't he, for four or five million pounds as well, which wasn't a bad deal yeah. at the time. And I remember, I remember, I think it was on the Quickly Kevin Willie Score podcast. I mean, he was talking about how his mum ran a fan club for him and they used to have teenage girls bust up to, <laughs> bust up to a nightclub in Manchester. He was, he was Beckham before Beckham, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he was. He was. And Giggs had that sort of hero stage, didn't he, with his long flowing locks and stuff. It was uh, yeah. it's amazing how, in, in a way, they were so so famous. Well, I suppose it was interesting we had Michael Owen. You forget we had Michael Owen, who was such an England hero, wasn't he? Like, and he wasn't old when he came to us, but he, he was, again, one of these, these players who were so rapid sometimes peak early in their careers because they get slight tweaks and, and they rely on their pace a little bit because he had such exhilarating pace that he wasn't quite the player but he did score that incredible goal in the in the 4-3 Manchester derby in 2009 he did, he did. and and we must remember United's assistant manager at the moment Mike Phelan yes played yeah played played you know played in midfield he did play in midfield alongside Darren Ferguson yeah son of Fergie yeah and that must have been a difficult situation for the manager and the son, wasn't it, to be in that squad? It, and it was because I, I was looking through the uh, op- the very first Premier League game United played in, which of course Brian Dean scored the very first Premier League goal. Manchester United lost two one to Sheffield United in over in Sheffield, and and Darren Ferguson actually played. He started the game that day. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, he was quite which is semi regular, wasn't he, at ninety two ninety three to start? Yeah, I'm not sure you get away with that kind of favoritism now, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it was. Uh, 
That was a strange one, wasn't it? Well, it lost the first couple of games, didn't they, 92-93? That was a difference in the in the context, wasn't it? You look back at it now, and because of the pace that's been set by City and Liverpool, and I don't know whether the, the league's more polarised because of the, the financial side of it, but it seems that you can't drop any points now, whereas in those days, you, you know, United lost the first time they won the Premier League title. They'd lost a couple of games back-to-back at the start of the season. I think Dion Dublin arrived, didn't he, from Cambridge? Yeah, was it against maybe Palace? Did he score against Palace or something like that? Southampton. Southampton, maybe. Yeah, said, one early one. on, you're right. We, yeah. we, we didn't start well that season. I remember the blue kit down at the Dell. Yes. Um, and then Dion, uh, I've heard a couple of interviews of his, he's famous. He said, well, everything that came to United is due, due to me because if I didn't get injured, they wouldn't have signed Eric Cantona. <laughs> no. Yeah, no. He got that horrific leg break, didn't he? I yeah. Think he, 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 he got, you know, unfortunately got injured and... Uh, the rest is history because, you know, the Frenchman arrived from Leeds yeah. across the Nines and uh, and that was it, really. Another Fren- but the year before <laughs> Leeds, the year before the Premier League started, I'm a Leeds United fan, probably wouldn't like me saying this, but I think United more or less gifted Leeds the title. Fell apart, didn't they, the last six games or so, yeah. They really did. And so when they started the Premier League season in, in 92, 93, was it, that when they yeah. started that season, there was a... It felt a bit like a hangover, mm. I guess. Mm. Yeah, definitely. From, from the previous year. Um, but I think, yeah, you lose a couple of games. If you lose a couple of games before October now, you, you, you're up against it. Yeah. You mentioned Frenchman. I was just thinking off the top of my head, random players who you forget played. And, and obviously, Fabian Bartes was a World Cup winning goalkeeper who came to United and um, had his moments, didn't he? But he was, a, he was a class player, but sort of known for... Cantona, Bartes, yeah. Evra. yeah. Over at Patrice, Will, Lauren, William Prunier. Lauren Blanc as well. Prunier, Prunier. Yeah, that was what I was just thinking in my head. Yeah, William Prunier had a smell, didn't he? That was a bizarre one um, in terms of not... But because it's a shame we think about Lauren Blanc a little bit late. He was good when he came, wasn't he? He was a steadying force, but he wasn't necessarily as peaky then. And we had people like Henrik Larsson as well in 2007. was on, you know, on loan for a little bit. Andy Gorham. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a show. Yeah. Oh, amazing. So, what are you... Because I'm thinking about that now. And one thing I've love about Bruno Fernandes and when the season was paused and who knows if it will be resolved this season or we completed or whether they'll move on to the next season the Premier League at the moment saying this will be resolved but there was a feeling of optimism around United and one thing was that you said the signings and Bruno Fernandes in particular do you think there was a throwback to not only the talent that he's shown but also his attitude because it seemed to me like there's an sort of infectious about his energy that perhaps we hadn't seen since the Fergie era because that's the type of player he used to get was someone with a bit about them as they say my um my opinion on Bruno Fernandes, and I wrote this the other day, was that he's everything that Pogba isn't on the pitch in terms of he's got the world class ability. We see it more consistently, but I think what fans really like is he's got that kind of passion and that sort of fight and that desire. And uh, I don't want to say that Pogba hasn't always had that, but sometimes that is one of the things that people throw at him that he's not quite. I mean, you saw Fernandez telling Pep Guardiola. Guardiola to be quiet. There's that famous little clip of him, isn't it, the other mm. week? I mean, fans love all that. You know, <laughs> love, they love all that kind of passion. I just think his ability... I mean, I think he got 66 yellow cards in six seasons for Sporting. Wow, Dillon. yeah. So he's, he does tackle back, doesn't he? As well, actually, seen a few slides. So he's, like, well, he, yeah. he's not bothered. He's not and I think the high-pressing game United play, if you see him off, actually off the ball, mm. he's not a typical number 10 in, you know, like a Cantona, if you like. He would just sort of kind of wait for the ball to come to his feet. Yeah. He's a magic. Gets Fernandez. Stuck that kind of real desire and work ethic to win the ball back and do the dirty side of the game, which 
you know, how many players in that kind of position do we, we wherever they're from, even in British, where you know, it doesn't matter where they're from, how many players have that kind of desire? And he's definitely, definitely got that. Yeah, real zeal and a glint in his eye. Well, Tom, it's been a, it's been a pleasure going down memory lane with you, mate. My daughter's just she's very patient, but she wants to no, get, no, we get well. a snack, but I've got a better shoot. But we'll we'll, we'll, we'll have the uh, we'll have the sequel next yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, catch up next week. We'll record it on your on your end as well and let people know where they can follow you, particularly if they're Manchester United fans, because you are across the club week in, week out. Yeah, it's um, at Mr. Tom McDermott on Twitter. Yeah, and you got United End podcast too? Yeah, that'll be rejuvenated with yourself next week, I think. We'll get that re-going. Good stuff. And, um, but yeah, great to talk to you. Cheers. Cheers, Tom. Speak to you soon, mate.